Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Subscription Web Design Podcast. This might be one of the most important episodes that I ever record because it's really where the rubber meets the road. Now, some of you may or may not know that I have a Substack account, which is a basically a, an online blog um, for subscription web design. And I, I used to post there like twice a month. I'm not consistent with it right now because I'm, I'm more so using it as a way to, when I have something that I want to think about very deeply, and, and uh, because I do my best thinking when I'm, when I'm writing, when I really want to explore the ins and outs and nuances of a subject very deeply, I'll go out and I'll post a blog over there. So you can follow it for sure if you'd like to. Uh, it's just subscriptionwebdesign.substack.com. Go over there and get that material first as soon as it comes out. What I wanted to do is take from that one of the most important posts that um, I ever put out there and, and probably that I ever will um, that deals with the subject of how to actually build the financial runway for your subscription web design business. So many of you guys come to me and you're in a position where you've got a full-time job or you are on the client conveyor belt. So you're working with clients and you're getting money down and then money on completion of the project. And you're not really sure how you can break that cycle of the feast or famine web design and get into subscription web design. Like how do you transition into that? You know, when I made this leap, again, I had a full-time job um, and I had a five-year plan. And so I made this leap over a five-year period of time, but there were some other nuances too that were a part of that. And I wrote about them inside of this post. And so I want to uh, essentially read that post for you here. Um, just full disclosure, it might be a little bit more of a boring episode, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically use this uh, uh, blog post as a script, as sort of a manuscript, because I want you to hear my thinking and in the way that I wrote it, uh, rather than just kind of spout it out and try to remember it here, okay? Um, because I, I, every little detail is important, and I want you to pick up on this. So listen to this post, um, and I really think it's going to help you with your journey and figuring out what specific steps you need to take in order to build this runway. So in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to take risks. Right now, I've heard some version of that advice many, many times and from many, many places. And I also believe it's true. However, I am personally an extremely risk-averse person. So it would be easy for me to look my way and speak of missed opportunities, chances that I didn't take and the like. But the simple reality is that I have built a stable and growing recurring income base that supports my family, allows me to purchase things that I need in the business to give charitably, like to my church and other things. And I've done this all while embracing a very risk-averse mentality. And I hope that's something that you can relate to. Again, I don't like to take risk. So if you want to jump into subscription web design, but you're not quite sure how to build the runway that you need, then I think this is going to be a great helpful starting point for what you need to do. So here's step one. Find your point of no return. Find your point of no return. So having been around the block of business, so to speak, everyone seems to have an opinion on the best way to make the leap into a full-time living. The game changer for my family has been moving into full-time subscription web design, whether getting there from current employment like I did or from the normal feast and famine web design that you are familiar with. In either case, you've got to find a point of no return. This is a positive place, not negative, okay? This point is the number that once you hit it, you never have to take a traditional project fee 
again. I want you to hear that, okay? The point of no return is a positive place. It's the point that when you hit this number, you never have to take another traditional project fee again if you don't want to. Now, I don't really like math. Fortunately, subscription math, as we've talked about before on the podcast, is very simple. You need to determine, number one, what you need to make. Number two, what you want to charge. And then number three, how many clients you need to close that distance. That's it. So you don't have to complicate it much more than that. So if you need to make $8,000 a month and you want to charge $300 a month, you need 27 clients to meet your goal. Now, here's a caveat for trying to plan to build your financial runway. You need to make this the lowest viable income possible, okay? You're looking for that number that you can get to that is going to allow you to, once you're working full-time with subscription web design, then you can increase it from there exponentially because you have more time for marketing and fulfillment and all of that. You want the lowest viable number that you can possibly survive on to start with. That's the number you want to shoot for. In my own situation, had I waited for what I really wanted to make in order to support my family, I would have probably been waiting for a while. But I'm a person of faith and I stepped out on faith. And in a very calculated way, um, I decided to make the jump. And so I, it's not like I was just totally blind here. I did step out on faith. I, I did. There was a, a small discrepancy between what would have made us really comfortable and what I was actually bringing in. But it was my lowest viable income, and it was enough to say, you know what? If we if we really, if we really went at this full time, we could make it work, and we did. I truly believe that a very important factor in this was making the jump at a time when I wasn't quite where I needed to be. So I had that hustle, I had that grind, and I really wanted to get after it. Um, but I knew that I could meet our basic expenses and that we weren't going to go under. Step number two, speaking of expenses, is to prune your excess, okay? Prune your excess. So in that spirit, you must be willing to prune any excesses you currently have in both your business and your personal expenses, all right? My grandmother, probably yours too, used to say, a penny saved is a penny earned. It took a very, very long time for me to actually understand and internalize that. Actually, her sentiments are echoed in a classic called uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. And there's another one called The Art of Money Getting by P.T. Barnum. That's a really good one as well. And those books also teach that concept that basically a penny saved is a penny earned. Now, this advice sort of strikes at our human propensity to spend a dollar the moment we have it, right? When I get money in, I want it to go out um, almost immediately. And that's not good. If we find ourselves on the hook for less, less will be spent. So we can actually trigger that. And we, can, we can tap into that mentality. If we find ourselves on the hook for less, less will be spent. So ask yourself honestly, are there habits, subscriptions, or tools that are getting in the way of my financial freedom? Let me say that again because I want you to get this. Ask yourself this question. Are there habits, subscriptions, or tools, or anything else getting in the way of my financial freedom. Now, I love a good latte. I'm not one to say anything about somebody's latte. But is that latte getting in the way of your financial freedom? Something to think about. Are those AppSumo purchases? And I love a good AppSumo purchase. Are those AppSumo purchases getting in the way of your financial freedom? If the answer to these questions is yes, then prune those expenses. Okay, make the hard decision to cut out those nice-to-haves, knowing with confidence that if you do this right, you'll be able to afford them again and hopefully sooner rather than later. Winners embrace the concept 
of delayed gratification. Winners know that good things come to those who wait. Winners know that time is on their side. Winners know that patience is a virtue. Step number three is to build and promote your subscription offering. Build and promote your subscription offering. Now, we get to work. Okay, we start by designing your very own subscription web design offering, which if you want to learn how to do that, go to subscriptionwebdesign.com, get signed up there, okay? Build and design your own offering. Promote it to past, current, and future clients, okay? Start promoting this. Now, this is arguably the hardest step because you have to overcome a huge catch-22. You need subscription clients, but if you're on the client conveyor belt, you need traditional paying clients in order to eat and survive. And I understand that. So I can't directly relate to this tension, right? Because I, I wasn't there. I wasn't in that spot, but I do get it. I, I do get how hard it would be. And it would be hypocritical to say that I have some fantastic solution to this problem because I simply haven't been there. But here's one thing that I know, and I know it for certain. If you don't promote your subscription offering, you won't get subscription clients. I'm going to repeat that one again. If you don't promote your subscription offering, you won't get subscription clients. That is a guarantee. So you got to figure this out. However creative you have to get, however much you need to save up in order to feel comfortable doing it, you need to start offering subscription packages and soon, okay? The sooner you do, the sooner you start the client value escalator instead of the client conveyor belt. And you can start building a more stable and sustainable business. Okay, number four is to onboard foundation clients. So even though I can't directly relate to the catch-22 that I mentioned above, I can relate to the feeling that more money faster helps to close the gap between what you need to make and what you want to charge. Now let me go on a quick rant for a second. Do you ever get the feeling that when people try to hype you up and sell you their programs, they're not being entirely honest about their path to success? Yeah, I have definitely felt that and I hate that feeling. So one of my commitments is to be completely transparent with you, okay? I, I don't want you to, to, to feel like I did something that is different than you. And, you know, it's like, I don't want you to feel like you can fast track something that it took me a while to do. But at the same time, I want to encourage you with the path that I took because you can take a similar path. So when I made the jump to full-time, again, this is in full transparency, roughly half of my income came from one client, okay? It was a white label client. In other words, I am their fulfillment partner. I actually still work with them. They're still my client uh, today, and they've been part of my subscription model uh, since day one. That's how we've always um, interacted with them until recently, which is totally fine. So I used to view this as a disadvantage, right? When I first got into this, I used to think, you know, this is actually kind of a, a disadvantage that I, I had half my income coming from one client. It might be a cooler story if I had like 30 to 50 clients out of the gate, all paying the same amount. But my tune has changed on that. You see, 30 to 50 clients to, in order to support yourself has the potential to be a huge administrative burden. And I can imagine it would be very hard to build that up on the side. And thanks to the roster of clientele that I had, I was able to go full-time with just 12 clients on my subscription plans. So I've reframed my thinking around this. I no longer think that it was a bad thing that one of my clients made up that much revenue. Sure, it's great to spread the risk more. It's important to spread your risk. And, you know, when I was employed somewhere, it was really risky because they only had one client. So how's that for risk? We often don't think about that. We think about our full-time jobs as having job security, but it's really just working for one client, okay? So here's my point. 
to accelerate the leap into full-time subscription web design, you need foundation clients, okay? Foundation clients, at least one, but two to three is preferable. And this is a way that you can move forward a lot faster if you find this kind of client. So here's my definition of that. A foundation client is a client that makes up a significant portion of your revenue and provides you with consistent opportunities for work. Let me say this again. A foundation client is a client that makes up a significant portion of your revenue and provides you with consistent opportunities for work. Now, there are different types of foundation clients. The two most common that I've seen are, number one, white label clients. So clients whose brand you work under to produce results for their clients. So if you're a web designer, can you team up with a marketing team or a graphic designer or a hosting company and work with them to support their clients on the aspects that they don't want to do? Oftentimes, you can create relationships like that where they're bringing you the clients and they might have a much better marketing system going on than you do or have been in business longer or whatever and be able to feed you with clients and pay you more than you would make from a traditional client. The other kind that I see very commonly is a big fish client. So clients who have the time or the requirements of an in-house employee, but are willing to pay and interact with you as a contractor. Um, I know one of my students, actually, he just went full-time uh, with the company, at least temporarily, but he has a uh, he had a very long time uh, contractor type relationship with another client where his full-time job was based on that. And so he sort of had that foundation client, if you will, where he could build the subscription revenue on the side. And so um, this, in my view, this is still better than being employed because typically um, it just depends on who you are and what you do. Like if you can, if you get to like work from home um, and all of that, then it's a little bit better. But like if you have to go into the office and work somewhere for eight hours and then come home and try to build your business on the side, trust me, I know because I did it, that is exhausting. So if you've got somebody who, even if they take up the bulk of your time, but you work with them as a contractor and you still have the freedom to do life on your terms and to create your own schedule and to create your own workday, that is huge. And I think that that could be a great way to build up your subscription income on the side um, while being paid primarily by that foundation client. Again, even if they make up a huge chunk of your income, that can really help accelerate the process for you. So I think you should embrace foundation clients. When you're in a service business, there's only so much that you can do to level the playing field across your client base, though I am a fan of doing that when possible. Foundation clients can jumpstart the growth and the stability of your business. So I think you should be on the lookout for them. Of course, beware, losing a foundation client stinks and can obviously cause a big hit to your revenue if they leave. Again, you do want to spread that risk a little bit more. You should plan for that. But don't be afraid to take advantage of those relationships when you're fortunate enough to have them. Go forward confidently, knowing that they'll help you pay those bills and roll with the punches when they come as you're designing your business and getting on more of the regular subscription-based clients. Okay, step five is hustle mode, okay? You are now in hustle mode and you need to create a temporary schedule. A temporary schedule. I heard this quote from Michael Hyatt, who I think he probably got it from somebody else, but I, I heard it from him. He said, you can do anything you want. You just can't do everything you want. Boy, that is so true. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with what some have called hustle culture. I'm going to expand on this in a minute, but my basic philosophy is this. There's a time to hustle. Those times are necessary, but should be rare. Okay, there's a time to hustle. Those times are necessary, but they should be rare. Anytime you're making a seismic shift in your business, you should anticipate 
and be willing to dedicate time to hustle. Although this example may feel a bit grandiose, consider Elon Musk and his recent acquisition of Twitter. He joked that his 80-hour work weeks have, for a season, turned into 120-hour work weeks. Of course, he was being very, very serious, even though it was a joke. Uh, to be clear, I never advocate that a person is going to work that long. You, you just can't sustainably do that. But his point really matters and really makes sense, even at a smaller scale. When change comes, it's neither unusual nor unreasonable to allow for a period of time when you're hustling, when you're getting after it, when you're working those 13 or 14 hour days. Practically, you need to create a very temporary schedule for yourself that acknowledges the needed hustle. You need to get all the other stakeholders, quote unquote, on board. So spouses, you know, business associates, people that work alongside you, et cetera, involved as well. Make sure that they are aware of the changes that you're making and the commitment that it will require. And then you must, and I cannot stress this enough, you must make sure you plan a time or a metric that signals the end of hustle mode. This can't be forever. And I, look, honestly, like I learned this from my wife. She's like, you just can't work all the time. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I can't. And I shouldn't. Okay. It's a huge temptation for people like me. Like I love working on the business. It's like eating a delicious steak or something, you know, working on the business is awesome, but you just can't work all the time. So just because you could work forever doesn't mean that you should work forever. You need to treat these times with seasonality, give them the respect they deserve, but no more than that. You know, one of the ways that I practically do this now is when there's seasons of life and business that I'm going to be a little bit busier, I try to prepare my wife a week or two in advance and be like, hey, look, just FYI, like this is going to be a, a crazier few weeks, okay? And, and she's totally on board with that. And, you know, does it stink? Yeah, but like she gets it. And it's a lot better than just working indefinitely all the time, okay? That's very important. And if you play your cards right, you can work on hustle mode until your curve flattens out and you don't have to do quite as much prospecting, have as many sales conversations, or manage as many projects all at once. So you can, you can take these seasonally and spread out your workload. And then step six, which is the final step, is to move your dollars wisely. Now, if I say last but not least, in this case, I really, really mean it. Okay, this point could have easily been number one. You have to be militaristic about the movement of your money. While I'm not a financial advisor, nor do I play one on TV, it's important that you be very, very intentional about your business and personal finances. And I care about this so much that inside of the course for subscription web design, I actually created a module for budgeting. I want you to see exactly how to budget. I use Mike Michalowicz's Profit First system. I also use the YNAB uh, rules for budgeting. And these teach you how to be profitable from day one and keep everything into the perspective that it needs to be in in your business. And again, if you want to learn more about that, it's beyond the scope of this um, podcast, but you can uh, go join the course at Subscription Web Design or if you go to stevesram.co and click on Work With Me, um, there's actually a, a tab there that talks about uh, financial coaching that I offer. So I, I offer specific financial coaching around Profit First and YNAB if you're interested in that to, to really learn how to get this right. But if you go through that module in the course, you're going to learn how to set aside the right amount for taxes, how you should pay for contractors, how to start and stay profitable, and much more. So once you have this system down, every single dollar that comes in should be spoken for in your business by way of what Mike calls these target allocation percentages. And basically, 
you're dividing between profit, expenses, owner's pay, and taxes, okay? Hear me now. This is crucial to making sure that your efforts to switch to subscription web design do not fail. I think budgeting is probably the most important part of the process, so don't skip it, okay? And then, of course, the final thing I would say is you have to start, okay? Ultimately, you got to start. You just got to do it. You got to make offers. You got to find these clients. You got to create your schedule. You got to do this. No more excuses. It's time to put yourself out there, start offering this service to clients, and change the game for your life and for your business. Again, I'd be honored to help you along the way. Feel free to join the program at subscriptionwebdesign.com, and I'll see you there, and I want to help make this vision a reality for you. God bless you guys. Take care. See you on the next episode of Subscription Web Design. Hey there, it's Steve, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. You know, one of the biggest questions that I get is, okay, Steve, I'm excited. I love this idea of subscription web design, but I have no clue where to get started. If that's you, go to subscriptionwebdesign.com right now, enter your best email address, and I'm going to send you an exclusive training that I did on the five models of subscription web design that will show you the options that are available to you and give you some things to think about on how to get started. And for a limited time, I'm going to include my contract template for subscription web design. I've been asked multiple times to provide this template, and it's usually only available to my paying students. It's a $100 value, but it's yours free. Just go to subscriptionwebdesign.com and enter your best email address there, and I'll send those right to you, as well as send you daily email tips from the trenches of running my agency. See you over there at subscriptionwebdesign.com.